We are uh, starting a series called Wait for the Wind, and we're kind of beginning this series this week with this idea of what it means to wait well. What it means to wait well is kind of what we're talking about over the next few weeks, and I want to begin in Luke chapter 24, where we kind of pick up this story where Jesus has been crucified and his followers are unsure of exactly what is going on. And they, few of them go to the tomb to kind of see what's happening. They find that he's not there and they're very confused by all of this. And, and beginning in verse 13, this is what it says. It says, now that same day, two of them were going into a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that have happened here in these days? Basically, he's saying, listen, everybody knows what's going on with Jesus. Everybody knows what has happened over these last few days. How could you possibly not know what's going on? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And then we're going to jump over to verse 36, where again, Jesus' disciples are gathered, and it says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat here? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but wait in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. There's something about waiting that tends to slow time down. That tends to make time feel like it almost stands still. Last year, we were about a week out from my middle daughter, Sophia's eighth birthday. And she kept asking, how many days are left until my birthday? How many days are left until my birthday? And every day as we got closer, it was only one day closer. And so we're like eight or nine days out, and it's nine days till your birthday. And then another day passes, it's eight days till your birthday. And then finally, when we were a week out, I said, it's seven days till your birthday. And she said, oh, when it's your birthday, it feels like you're walking towards it with cement on your feet. And I thought that was so cute and so funny and also so true, that when you have something out in front of you that you're anticipating and expecting, it just feels like the waiting period is longer than normal time. It feels like everything is completely slowed down. And the odds are that if you are in this room, that you are waiting on something. 
Uh, you are waiting on something. You might be waiting for your health to come back or your marriage to look like you expected it to look. Maybe you're waiting for your business to come back to you. Maybe you're waiting for, for, for your kids to come back. There's something that we are all waiting for. That there's something that we're all waiting for. And I'm always amazed by the amount of time that followers of Jesus spend waiting. It's all throughout scripture where we see that followers of Jesus spend time waiting. And maybe it just stands out to me because I have never really been known as much of a patient person. I have very little patience. I want things to happen now. If I know something needs to get done, I would rather just do it right now. I'm the, I'm the kind of person that I wake up and I think about what do we want to accomplish today? And sometimes this drives my wife crazy because even on a Saturday or a day off when it should be kind of a chill day, my first question of the day is usually, what do you want to do today? And she'll be like, well, we're doing nothing today. And I'm like, we're doing nothing today? We have to do, so there has to be something we want to do. There has to be some place we want to go, something we want to do, something we have to accomplish. And so waiting tends to stand out to me. And when we think about this story that we just read, we see a little bit of waiting, but it's a little bit of waiting that is on the tail end of what the children of Israel has ex have experienced as a long, long time of waiting. They, they were told for centuries, for centuries that a Messiah would come. They were told for centuries that someone was going to be coming to their rescue, I imagine that there were children who had grown up hearing their parents and their grandparents tell them that the Messiah was coming. And then they would watch as these parents and these grandparents would pass away and the Messiah had not come. We're not talking about waiting years. We're not talking about waiting decades. We're talking about hundreds of years that passed between the time that they were told something was going to happen and when it actually happened. And so these are people that are well-versed in waiting. But then it finally happens. Jesus comes, and he comes, and he's the Messiah. They believe that he is the Messiah. They trust in him. Their waiting is over. And then he's killed. And they don't have the hindsight that we have of the resurrection. When Jesus was killed, to them, this was just re-entering the waiting process, this was, oh, we must have been wrong. What we thought of him was not true of him. And so now we're back to the waiting that we've been in for centuries. And this had to be so confusing for them. And so they're back in this waiting period. But then now Jesus is risen. He's appearing to them. And they, they had to think like, okay, game on. This is it. This is it. The Messiah is going to do his work. He's going to conquer. He's going to rule. He's going to do what we always thought he was going to do. And then the first thing he says to them is now go to Jerusalem and wait. I mean, this is the worst kind of waiting. This is waiting at the end of waiting. This is waiting when you've already waited and now you realize you have to wait some more. That they had to be like, Jesus, are you kidding me? We waited for centuries for the Messiah to come. You came, and by the way, you didn't come as a human being fully ready and functioning and ready to go. You came as a baby. 
So even once you came, we had to wait for you to grow, which by the way, you took your time doing. You didn't really do anything until you were 30 years old, and then you start doing miracles, and then after only three short years, you're crucified, and then we wait not knowing what's happened to you, and now you're back. We should be ready to go, and you're saying you want me to wait again? You've got to be kidding me. This is like when you go to the doctor's office and you sign in and you know you're going to have to wait, not one time, not two times, probably three or four times you're going to wait because you're going to sign in and you're going to wait in the waiting room. And then they're going to call your name, but you're not going to see the doctor then. They're going to take you back to a smaller room where you're going to do some more waiting. And then there's going to be a knock on the door. And is it the doctor? Of course it's not. It's a nurse, and she's going to ask you some information, and she's going to say the doctor will be right with you, but he won't be right with you. You're going to be waiting again for a while, and then finally, the doctor's going to come in, and he's going to ask you a few quick questions, and he will be the shortest person that you see the entire time you're there, and then if you have to have any testing done, they're going to tell you, you're going to go have these tests, and then you're going to what? Wait for the results. It's waiting, stacked on waiting, stacked on waiting. And when you look back on that experience of going to the doctor, your whole point was to see the doctor and you spent the least time seeing the doctor. You spent most of your time waiting. And this is what happens in life is that we think that most of what we're going to do is the thing that we're looking to do when really before we get there, there's going to be a lot of waiting. There's going to be a lot of waiting. And oftentimes we have the picture of what we believe our life is going to look like. We have the picture of what we believe God is going to call us to. But there is this gap before what the picture we see in our life align. And that gap is waiting. And we have to know how to wait well in order to get to where God has called us to be. We have to be able to wait well. So much of following Jesus is really about showing people that there's a better way to live. That there, there is a way that we were created to live, that when we enter into that way of life, that life actually works better. And people get this confused, people get this skewed, and they tend to think that Christians live in a way that is actually worse. Like they tend to think, well, Christians are expected to give and be generous, and so they have less. But when we give and we're generous, what we demonstrate is that actually when we put God first, he puts us first, and he, he uh, blesses our giving, and that actually when we give and when we are generous, we actually have more. That, that when we do the things that seem like they shouldn't work out for us, they actually work out for us. And waiting is the same way, that when we show the world, there is a different way to wait. But we live in the world of social media, and we live in the world of Amazon Prime, and we live in the world of now Amazon Now, where you can get same-day deliveries. We live in the world where when a television show comes out, they drop the entire season in one day so that you can binge it in one day. We like to get what we want now. We don't like to wait for it. We like to get it now. I mean, I am not that old, but I still remember when you had to wait a week between one episode of a television show and another episode of a television show. And like the most devastating thing at the end of a television show was those words, to be continued, because you knew that it was going to be a week before you knew what happened, because you had to wait for a week. I remember when, if you wanted to get a hold of somebody, you had to wait until you knew they would be home in order to call them. 
You had to look at the clock and think, oh no, I know he gets home from school at four. I can't call him till four. Now, at any moment that we want to get a hold of somebody, we just text them. We just send them a text and we get an answer. We get the things we want when we want them. And yet, everyone who has done anything extraordinary for God has had to wait. They have gone through intense seasons of waiting. Abraham and Sarah were given a promise that they would be the father and mother of many. And they waited 35 years before that promise came to fruition. Joseph saw a picture of his life as as a leader, as someone who people looked up to, and it was 13 years of hardship, 13 years of waiting before that dream was realized. David was anointed king. He was anointed king as a young man, but it was 13 years before he actually took the throne. There was waiting. The children of Israel wandered and waited in the desert for 40 years before they reached the promised land. See, so often what happens is we want the results that people get without having to walk the journey they walk to get those results. I think any one of us would say, God, if you can use me like Abraham, go ahead. If you can use me like David, God, I'm yours. If you can lead, use me to lead like Joseph, God, I'm yours. I'll do anything, but wait. I do not want to have to wait, but as followers of Jesus, we have to know how to wait because we know that in order to reach the promise, we're going to have to wait. And I think that so often that waiting period is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to either grow or grow weary. It's an opportunity for us to either get stronger and get what we need to move forward in what God has called us to do, or it's a time where we get depleted and we get weak. The the waiting, the waiting is a crucial time in our lives. Waiting is a crucial time when things don't line up, when it doesn't quite look like we expected it to look as quickly as we expected it to look. And I think what's interesting about this waiting period that the disciples were in, in these days where Jesus was crucified and they, they didn't quite know what was going on, is we'll see kind of throughout the course of this series and we'll look kind of next week at how they waited well. But the truth is that in this first period of waiting, in these first three days of waiting, they did not wait well. They did not wait well. And I think that something happens to us when we don't wait well. And we can see in, in John verse 20, 19, the reason that they were not waiting well. It says this. This is speaking of this same period right after Jesus was crucified. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of Jewish leaders. The doors were locked for fear of Jewish leaders. Leaders. Now, now, I want you to notice that word for fear of Jewish leaders because, see, the, the, these, these Jewish religious leaders had kind of been after Jesus and his followers, especially towards the end of the li- his life, so much so that he ended up being crucified. And once he was crucified, it became evident to the disciples that if they can do that to him, they can do that to us. And so in this waiting period, the, the, the place where they kind of went off track is that they were waiting in fear. They were waiting in fear. See, there's a difference between waiting in fear and waiting in faith. 
and the disciples in that moment were waiting in fear. And some things begin to happen when you begin to wait in fear. And the first thing is this, is that when you wait in fear, you live in isolation. When you wait in fear, you live in isolation. It says that they had locked themselves behind doors for fear of the Jewish leaders. They were no longer doing what God had called them to do. They were no longer operating the way that God had called them to operate. Why? Because they were waiting in fear and they were living in isolation. And the enemy, as we've discussed, wants to get you isolated. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in the waiting, you just want to close yourself off. And sometimes in the waiting, you just want to go home and you just want to say, I can't really, I can't really stand to face the world until this is worked out. I can't, I don't really have the energy to even get through my day until I know how this circumstance is going to work out. I don't know if you've ever been there where you just feel like, God, I, I hope you're working. I think you might be working, but until I know the outcome, I just don't have the energy to really even take any steps forward. I would rather just shut myself away and wait in fear. I would rather be isolated than out doing what you've called me to do. I would rather wait in fear. The second thing that happens when you wait in fear is when you wait in fear, you spend your time rehearsing the past. Rehearsing the past. See, when we wait, we should be looking towards the future. We should be looking toward what God is calling us to. But when we wait in fear, we rehearse the past. And I think it's so interesting that in those verses that we read right at the beginning in Luke 24, 14, it says they were walking together and they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And we know from the context of this verse that what they were talking about was the fact that they did not believe Jesus had risen from the dead. They did not believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. They were talking about the fact that they had assumed he was the Messiah, and yet now he's dead. They were talking about the fact that there was now this rumor that he was alive, but they did not believe it. They were talking about all of those things. They were talking about the trauma that they had experienced. They were talking about where everything went wrong. Have you ever been there in the waiting? Have you ever been there in the waiting where all you can tend to talk about is how things are not going how you expected? Have you ever been there in the waiting where it seems like the only conversation you want to have with anybody is, woe is me, look at how my life is going, this is how it was supposed to be, but listen to how it's going, I want to talk about it for a minute, I want to tell you everything that's going on, and if you won't listen, good news, Facebook literally says, what are you thinking, so I can tell everybody what I'm thinking, but I'm going to tell somebody. I'm going to talk about it to somebody. They were talking about how the person that they had placed their hope in was now dead. And when we wait in fear, we tend to remember the times where things didn't work out the way we expected them to. Instead of looking towards the future of what God has told us will happen, we tend to remember and we tend to talk about how this must just be like it was before. How this must be like all the other times when it didn't work out. But see, this is the thing. True discipleship. Remember, these are the disciples. These are the people who were following Jesus closer than anyone else. True discipleship is tested in waiting. Because it was very easy for them to follow Jesus when he was the one out there performing the miracles. 
when he was the one out there multiplying the food, they were on the winning team. It was obvious that there was something going on, something, and they were a part of it. That's easy discipleship right there. Sign me up to follow the guy who's getting all the wins. Sign me up to follow the guy who everybody loves because he's providing for them. Sign me up to follow the guy who's publicly healing blind eyes, who's publicly causing lame people to walk. Sign me up. Opposition is easy in those moments because you can just point to, you can come against me, look at what he just did. You, you can come against me, look at who he just healed. You can come against me, he just fed you. The, the evidence is obvious. But true discipleship is tested in the waiting when you don't know how it's going to turn out. When you can't see how it's going to turn out. Because, see, so often what ends up happening is that waiting depletes us when God designed it to strengthen us. God designed it to strengthen us. Because when you wait in fear, you rehearse the past. And when you wait in fear, you lose faith. You lose faith. I think it's telling that when Jesus asked these disciples, now remember, they don't know that it's Jesus, but when he asks these disciples who they're talking about, they say, we're talking about Jesus, and they say, he was a prophet. He was a prophet. Now, two things. First of all, he was so they assume he's still dead. But more interesting is he was a prophet because up until this point, the disciples had recognized and affirmed the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the one they were waiting for. And now Jesus asks, who are you talking about? And they say, oh, we're talking about Jesus. He was a prophet. In other words, we had faith that he was the Messiah, but now in this waiting, now in this uncertainty, looks like he was just a prophet. Looks like he was just something we had seen before. Looks like he said a lot of things that came true. He did a lot of things that worked out, but in the end, it wasn't how we thought it was. And so our faith is no longer in him as the Messiah our faith is only as good as him being a prophet. And I wonder how often in our waiting, our view of Jesus's authority begins to be diminished. I wonder how often in our waiting, what we trusted him for in one moment, we reduce to something else. We say, well, he, he could have taken care of me for this, but you know, it didn't really work out the way I thought it would, so he must be a little less than we expected. You begin to lose faith when you're waiting in fear. You begin to lose faith. When you wait in fear, your hope fades. You lose faith and your hope fades. Luke 24, verse 21. They follow up that statement that he was a prophet with, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Their hope had faded. He was the one they had put their hope in, but now their hope is in past tense. Their hope is in past tense. We had hoped this, but he must not be that. So our hope is in the past. Our hope is not out in front of us. Our hope is not in the future. We had hoped that he would be this, but he's not. 
You, you begin to lose faith and you begin to lose hope. And when you wait in fear, what's amazing is that when your hope and your faith begins to fade, all of a sudden, you can't even see the work of Jesus in your life. You can't even see the work of Jesus in your life. Think about this. He's walking with them, and they don't even recognize him. He's walking with them, and they don't even see that he is with them. And I think that's what happens so often in our waiting, is that Jesus is walking with us, but we don't recognize his movement in our life. Jesus is walking with us. He's present with us, but we don't recognize that he's working in our lives. We don't recognize that he's present with us in our lives. See, when we wait, we can't wait in fear. We have to wait in faith. And I think that as Jesus is calling them to do more waiting, he's very intentional about the next things that he says to them and the next thing he does because he knows that they are in for more waiting and he teaches them how to wait in faith. It says this in Psalm 130 verse five, it says, with all my heart, I am waiting, Lord, for you. I trust in your promises. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be, uh, and they will walk and not faint. See, you get what you need for the journey in the waiting. It's in the waiting that you get the strength you need for the journey. And here's what I think Jesus is doing in this moment when he meets with the disciples and he sees that they are not waiting well. His first words to them is he says, why are you letting doubt rise? Why are you so troubled? He sees the condition that they're in and he does two very important things. He teaches them to remember what God has done. If you're going to wait in faith you have to remember what God has done. Luke 24, 38 through 39. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. Remembering what God has done for us strengthens us in the waiting. It strengthens us in the waiting. He reminds us of what he did on the cross. You have to remember what he's done both in your life and you have to remember what he's done for your life. See, if you look back on God's faithfulness in your life, if you look back on what he's done in your life, I guarantee you there are times and there are moments that you can remember that God came through for you, that God did what he said he was going to do. And you have to remember what God did for you in the waiting. But I gotta tell you, sometimes you get in those moments where you're so in your own head that it's hard to even remember what God has done in your life. But in those moments, you can remember what God has done for your life. See, I think it's interesting that Jesus didn't say, hey, it's me, remember I fed the 5,000. It's me, remember I opened blind eyes. It's me, remember you saw lame people walk. He said, no, it's me. Look at my hands and my feet. This is the ultimate thing I have done for you is I gave my life for your life. And if you can't even remember what I've done in your life, at least remember what I've done for your life. 
because in order to in order that you might live this is what i did i gave you my life and when you're in the waiting you have to remember what he's done in your life but you also have to remember what he's done for your life and then you have to remember what he has said he goes on in verses 44 and 48 and he says this is what i told you while i was still with you everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of moses the prophets and the psalms then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures he told them this is what is written the messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning in jerusalem you are witnesses of these things in other words to just kind of paraphrase jesus is saying hey while i was gone while i while you were waiting i was doing exactly what i said i was going to do all throughout our time together i i told you that I was going to redeem the world. All throughout our time together, I told you that this was going to happen and and you never really understood it. And in the waiting, you still didn't really understood it, but now what I'm showing you is that while you were waiting, I was doing exactly what I said I was going to do. And some of you are waiting and you need to know and you need to hear that while you're waiting, God is doing exactly what he said he was going to do. He's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. He might feel distant, he might feel silent, you may not understand it, but you can trust that while you're waiting, he's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. It didn't matter what they thought in that waiting. It didn't matter what they thought was happening. They thought he was silent, but he was working. They thought he was dead, but he was alive. They thought it was the end of God using them and God had only just begun to use them. They thought that he had left them, but he was right there with them. And some of you are in the waiting, you think that God has left you, but he is right there with you. And waiting in fear will have you wondering where God is at, and he is right there with you. He's right there walking with you. You may not recognize his presence in your life. He you may not recognize his working in your life, but he is where he said he would be, which is with you, and he's doing what he said he would do in the waiting. And this is why you have to remember that God's silence is not the same as God as God's absence. That just because you can't hear him, Just because you don't understand what is going on in the waiting doesn't mean he's not working. Doesn't mean he's not working on your behalf. We have to remember what he said in our waiting. This goes back to what we talked about last week in the book of Habakkuk when when the prophet says, "Write the vision and make it plain so that you can run with it." You you have to remember what God has spoken to you in the waiting. You have to remember what God has spoken to you in the waiting because when you can reference what he's spoken to you, you can be reminded that this is what he's doing. That you may not understand it, that you may not see how it's going to work, but this is what he's doing. And what I love about Jesus in this moment with the disciples is that he saw their doubt. He saw that they were troubled. He saw that they were hopeless. He saw that their faith was depleted and he stepped into that moment with a gentle reminder, 
with a gentle reminder that he was being faithful the entire time, with a gentle reminder that he was doing what he said he was going to do the entire time. And some of you need that gentle reminder this morning. Some of you who are in a season of waiting, some of you who it seems like things are taking longer than they should be taking. It seems like things are not working out the way they should be. You felt like you were through and now you feel like you're back at square one. You're in the waiting and you need a gentle reminder that God is working on your behalf in the waiting. That God is working on your behalf in the waiting and that if you learn to wait well, it does not have to deplete you. It does not have to weaken your faith. It can strengthen your faith for the journey. It doesn't have to wear you down, it can build you up. It doesn't have to make you weak. It can make you strong. That the waiting is actually a tool that God uses to propel you into what he's called you to. That it's not something that is meant to wear you down. It is something that is meant to build you up. He has not forgotten your situation. He is not absent. He is working. The question is, how are you waiting? He is working. How are you waiting? Are you waiting in fear or are you waiting in faith? Because listen, this is the day. If you've been waiting in fear, if you've been locked away in isolation, if you've been questioning whether he's going to come through, if you've been wondering why he is silent, this is the day that you can stop wondering, you can stop questioning, and you can hold on to what God said to you. And you can be reminded that he is doing exactly what he said he would do, even in the waiting, even in the uncertainty. He's doing exactly what he said he's going to do. He's working on your behalf. He is not going to leave you alone. It is the waiting that he is using to strengthen you, to uphold you. The waiting is a time where he strengthens you so that you can go beyond even what you expected to do, so that you can maintain and do even more than you expected to do. But it's time that we become a people who wait in faith who reject waiting in fear, and we hold on to the faith that God has given us to know that he will do what he said he's going to do, that he will act how he said he's going to act, that he will come through when he said he's going to come through. Would you stand all across this room this morning?